The Rams might need to add a veteran at this position group for them to make the playoffs this season. What options do they have? That's coming up next on Locked on Rams. You are Locked on Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Ramley? And welcome to another episode of Locked On Rams, your daily podcast covering your four-time champion Los Angeles Rams, free and available revenue gear podcast, Locked On Rams, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're also available over on YouTube, so if you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the Locked On Rams YouTube channel. Join the party, hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell, hit that like button, let us know. Do you think the Rams should go out there and sign a veteran edge rusher? My name is Doug McCain. My friends call me DMAC. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. I've been covering LA sports for over a decade. The Lakers for SI, the Dodgers for Dodgers Nation. Now the Rams for Locked On. And as always, I'm joined by the Rams pre-half and post-game show for the Rams flagship radio station ESPN 710 LA. He's entering his eighth season covering the team. He's known the streets as the people's champ. You can follow him on Twitter at Travis Rogers. Now, Travis, we're diving into the edge rusher position once again. We've got some concerning statistics. We're going to have the conversation. Should they go out there and sign a veteran edge rusher? Also, your office, SoFi Stadium, was ranked as the second best stadium in the NFL. But first, today's episode of Locked on Rams is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Now, Travis, the pass rush for the Rams has been ranked very poorly. 24th in the NFL during the preseason, a 59.6 PFF grade. That's not good. If it weren't for Ernest Brown, the fourth and Jonah Williams having two pressures, it would be even worse than that. I think that internally they might not have what they need to have a successful pass rush. I think they possibly need to look at some external options as far as adding an edge rusher. Work in progress, right? You've heard me say it before about a bunch of different things, and this is right on the list as well. This is something that needs to be addressed. This is something that they're going to look for help both in-house and perhaps outside of their own building, right? Some on, on another organization, whether it's through a trade, whether it's through a, a, a signing of someone else who gets released. Because while I don't put a ton of stock in preseason rankings for all the obvious reasons, I think that this is one that's actually kind of telling the truth. I think this is one that I think is reflective of what is actually out there and reflective of what they might be able to do. We know Aaron Donald's going to get to the quarterback. We know that he's going to be one of the best players in football beyond that. And who's going to be able to help him is a huge question mark on this team. And this is where Byron Young and Kobe Turner and these guys are going to have to step up and become important parts of what it is that they're doing but we haven't got to see him very much so far. It is a big question mark. And it's, you know, we talked about the offensive line so much during the, the, the preseason and, and during camp that that's my top priority. And it still is, but that edge rush is quickly climbing the ratings, the rankings. Absolutely. I think it comes down to a couple of things. One, 
LA has no proven edge rushers, really right. none. I mean, they're all they're inexperienced. They're all rookies. And yeah, you talk about guys like Michael Hoyt. Can he turn the corner? Can he really prove to be an everyday edge rusher after being converted? Can Byron Young as a rookie have an impact? I mean, they're very confident in him. They're very high in him, but that's a lot to ask for a rookie to be an edge rusher, to really have that success and have that impact. What I find interesting is McVay. He said that the team passed up on the opportunity to sign a veteran pass rusher because of the promising young players on the roster. So we know that it's their process. We know that what they're seeing in practice isn't necessarily what we're seeing in the preseason games. And Byron Young, he was said to have a really good practice against the Raiders last week in the 11-on-11s. They said he popped in multiple pressures. He was working on new moves. His favorite pass rush move is the ghost rush, where he fakes a long arm against the lineman, then drops the arm and dips low without contact. But he's mm -hmm. trying new moves out. Yeah, I'm okay with, with kind of experimenting in joint practices. I'm okay with experimenting during some preseason stuff. This is where I think that you, you know, you can find out what works and what doesn't work. What I'm more concerned about is I, I don't really care how you're doing in joint practices. Like, you know, like I'm okay with you trying a new technique, but I need to see you when you're trying to get to the quarterback and the guy on the other side is trying to prevent you from getting there in a real environment, not in a practice environment, not in a controlled environment. What does it look like when the scoreboard is on, when the lights are on? These are the things that I'm interested in. And, and again, when you hear Sean McVay say that they had an opportunity to sign a, a veteran guy, don't listen to what they say, watch what they do. And what they've done is they haven't signed anybody there. This is an incredibly important position in the way that the Rams structure their defense. To have somebody that compliments Aaron Donald, that doesn't allow Aaron Donald to just get swallowed up play after play after play because they're not worried about anybody else getting home. That they opted to try to address it through the draft and try to address it through like Michael Hoyt, who, you know, Michael Hoyt had a nice end of the season last year. That's fine. And, and I'm excited to see what he looks like. But this is a this is an inside guy that they're trying to play outside and see whether or not it works. This is not a classic edge guy. Um, and if it doesn't work, I'm not going to be a good player. It means that they're playing him out of position. What is their goal? What are they trying to accomplish this season? Are they trying to win a bunch of games and go to the playoffs? Or are they trying to identify who they want to have on their roster beyond this season? I think you bring up a great point. I think if they find an edge to this year, they know it's available in free agency and guys can go after. And we're going to talk about that in our next segment. But if you look at this current crop, I mean, according to pro football focus, only one edge rusher on the team. It's more than one pressure. It's Kier Thomas, who has five. The rest of the outside linebackers have two pressures combined with yeah. Hardy and Hampton recording one each. Hardy turned that one pressure to the sack there. Byron Young, he didn't play in their second preseason game in their first one. He had a sack that was called back due to a face mag. And then my Michael Hoyt, he's produced no pressures, no sacks, no quarterback hits, and 16 pass rush snaps. Zach Van Valkenburg, who has a great name, he's rushed the passer on 27 attempts with no success at all. Oshawn Mathis, he's dealing with that knee injury. So it just looks bleak right now unless Michael Hoyt can really build on the momentum of last season. Had those four and a half sacks late in the year. And then two, the light turns on with Byron Young. We heard that, of course, he played 20 straight snaps. That's unrealistic. They were trying to get his conditioning up, playing at the NFL level. Raheem Moore said that when he was fresh and healthy and ready to go, he looked great. When he was tired, he looked tired. But that's really the big question I have is can these young guys figure it out? Can some of these backups figure it out? Because that's a position that you need experience typically to have success. And I just look at this. 
this defense and look a shower head is like a good defense it's you get lots of pressure and lots of coverage me i'm a big pressure guy when i go to a hotel there's nothing more disappointing than no pressure on that shower head i need to feel like i'm being hit by paintballs right yeah no, that's how i want to feel <laughs> I I would I like the one that's over your head, not the one that's on the wall in front of your face. The one that's kind of like rain, like good heavy rain. That's a good one too. There's some uh, there's some access issues that come into that that can be uh, challenging. But I'm with you. The the pressure and the coverage are important. Um, <laughs> a couple of things here. Uh, let's go back to Michael Hoyt for a second, who you talked about, who had the four and a half sacks towards the end of last year. I I I, I this is just a Travis Rogers belief. There's doing it, and then there's doing it when they expect you to do it. And I think they're entirely different things. Last year, Michael Hoyt did it, but I don't think anybody was expecting him to do it. And I don't think opposing offenses were expecting him to do it. I don't think opposing offenses were getting ready to deal with him in that role, and I think he caught some people by surprise. Good for him. But this is different. This is, hey, this is where they're going to play him. This is how we can defend him. This is how we can make him less effective. And now it's up to Michael Hoyt to try to figure out what to do next. So far, not so good. Doesn't mean he can't do it. Doesn't mean that it won't get better over time. But showing me you can still do it when everyone is stopping or trying attempting to stop you, I think that's the secret sauce. This is what makes Aaron Donald and Von Miller and guys like this so unbelievable. Everybody knows what, who they are and what they do. They're game planning to stop you, and they still get home. And I'm not comparing Hoyt to those guys because that's an unfair comparison to just about everybody. But the point is, is that when you are expected to do it and still can do it, that's what makes a good player. When you're just kind of, hey, wow, where'd that come from? That's great. But that's not something that you can rely on week in and week out. Exactly. Expectations changes everything. Having tape changes everything. How they scheme against you changes everything. And you're going to have to see, can he be that guy? We know that hope springs eternal during training camp and preseason. But as we get closer to the regular season, what we've seen from this group, it hasn't been inspiring. I think they need to go out there and add a veteran edge rusher. If they're 100% serious about contending this season, and we've got some options on that front coming up next here on Locked on Rams. All right, let me talk about one of my favorite things in the world, and I'm talking about my bird dogs shorts, right? We're talking about bird dog stretch khaki shorts that are designed to fit slimmer through that thigh and leg area, giving you that sculpted look. And if you look at me, look, there's nothing I like more than looking sculpted. And the bird dog shorts do the exact same thing as like Lululemon, for instance, but they fit way better. The second I get home and I can take off my work clothes, guess what the first thing I put on is? It's my, it is my bird dog shorts. And when it gets a little cooler, still hot here in LA, I'm going to put those bird dog pants on. They stretch, they look good, they feel good. You can wear them all day long. Here's how you get in on it. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL or enter the promo code locked on NFL for a free white tech hat with your order. My wife ripped that off from me. She wears it every day. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NFL or promo code locked on NFL for a free white tech hat. You will not want to take your bird dogs off. We absolutely promise you. I almost never take mine off. It's the shorts. It's the pants all day long. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL. 
And we are off and running here on Locked On Rams. Thank you for making Locked On Rams your first listen every single weekday, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Locked On Rams, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And a special shout out to our everyday listeners. We appreciate you watching every episode, listening to every episode. And you can be an everyday listener too. Join the club. Membership is free and you won't miss a thing about your Los Angeles Rams. But Travis, here in our second segment, we're going to explore some options. Should the Rams consider signing a veteran edge rusher do they have enough internal options to get the job done well if you look out there and you look at where the Rams sit as far as cap space you have a little over 10 million dollars to work with they financially could add a guy on a cheaper deal and the first name that really comes to mind is Carlos Dunlop he's still out there former defensive player of the year he's expected to be fully healthy heading into the season 34 years old. He remains unsigned at four sacks last year. Now, the big question I have with a player like Carlos Dunlop. So before we kind of dive in him as a player, it's just the concept of would a player late in his career go to a team like the Rams that is in a remodel, a potential team that's in transition. They're a playoff contender if everything breaks right. But would a veteran pass rusher go to a team like the Rams, in your opinion? Well, I think what veteran players like more than anything else is a check. I think what veteran players like is to make sure that they have an income, right? And right now, Carlos Dunlop doesn't have either one of those things. That if he wants to still play football, then all 32 teams are probably something that he would consider. I don't know if he's strict one option or another based on whether or not a team has better playoff odds than another one. Um, it, it, again, I, I know I'm a broken record on this. I understand it that what is their goal? What what are they trying to do? What is, what is the goal of this season if you're Kevin Demoff and Les Snead and Sean McVay? And what are you trying to get done? Are you trying to, to take a team that is expected to win five or six games and turn it into an eight or nine game winner? Or are you not? Or are you just trying to say, hey, let's see what we have moving forward? is if you are a team like the Rams and you're expected to win five or six games and you try to get better, and instead of winning five, you win seven. Seven, seven is terrifying to me. Seven is nowhere. Seven and ten is arguably the worst possible result you could have in a season. Eight or nine wins, ten, you might be in the playoffs, and I love it, and let's go for it. Two, three, four, you're picking pretty high towards the beginning of the draft. But five through seven is just a bad number, and I think that adding these guys like a Carlos Dunlap puts you in a position where you're actually making your team worse for the long term. Interesting. That's a really interesting way to look at. It. I think there is a lot of truth to that, depending on the goal, depending on what the end game is. And I think that you're hundred percent right. If that's what they're trying to do now, if they truly believe that this offense can score enough points to keep yep. them in games and keep them competitive and put themselves in a position to be a surprise team this year, then I do think you have to go that route. But something I was thinking when I was watching the last preseason game and they had 5.8 yards per rush in their first series the Raiders did against this Rams defense is look as good as this offense can potentially be and I think they can absolutely be explosive I mean if Stafford's healthy offensive line is at the very least average Van Jefferson emerges Cooper Cup stays healthy Cam Akers has their decent season this offense is going to be able to light up scoreboards but if a team is using ball control and they're running it down their throats it's going to be tough to get the ball in their hands right so I think that's something you have to factor in as well and I think if you don't improve the defense a little bit you're not going to give your offense enough opportunities to be able to score points. I, I agree. You're going to have to be able to get off the field at some point. You're going to have to get some stops. You're going to have to get a big sack. You're going to have to take a team that's in field goal range and get them out of field goal range. You're going to have to 
the defense is going to have to do some things occasionally. It doesn't have to be the 85 Bears. It doesn't need to be the the Ravens from the early 2000s, but yeah. you're going to you're going to have to stop somebody at some point. They're going to score. If 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 the offensive line is good and Matthew Stafford stays healthy, they're going to score points. The question is can you prevent points? And right now, it's a big question mark. Yeah, that's a, definitely the big thing. Another couple options they have. Akeem Hicks, he's still out there. Record mm-hmm. one sack. I mean, he's someone you could basically go after, but I'm not too high on him. I mean, a lot of Bucks fans, they think that he fleeced them last season, that he was injured. He was right next to Van. He contributed, but I don't think he's the answer. Mario Addison's still out there. Melvin Ingram is interesting. He had a 70-plus pass rush grade, 17 games. He had made three starts, played 45% of the defensive snaps, had six sacks and a forced fumble. He's still productive, but at this point, he's more of a rotational player. Mm-hmm. The other option they could go towards is you just wait to see who becomes available. But in that sense, yes, there are some options there and guys could help, but there's a reason why guys aren't on teams. There's a reason why you can pick guys off the street, usually because they're not going to be big impact players, right? Well, look at the guys that you just mentioned. What do they all have in common? They're all on the wrong side of their best years. They're all older players, right? They're all guys that are probably not the best version of whatever it is that they were. Now, let me ask you another question. What did the Rams just get rid of a whole bunch on that side of the ball during the offseason? Older players, veteran players who still have some game left, but who are not going to be a part of the long-term solution to this team. Think Jalen Ramsey, think Bobby Wagner, think Leonard Floyd. These are older players that they decided that they wanted to go away from. They wanted to get younger. They wanted to get more flexible. Arguably, you want to get a little bit cheaper along the way. These guys that we're talking about, DMAC, don't fit that bill. These are the other, these are the guys that they said, hey, thank you for everything you've done for us, but we're going in another direction. I don't know why they'd swing back around and go look at a, a Melvin Witherspoon or a Keem Nix or one of these guys that is an older player that is exactly what they had and not nearly as good as a Ramsey, not nearly as good as a Wagner. They're going younger. They're going more flexible. They're not going the other direction. I don't know why they would do it now when they've spent their entire offseason preparing for this group of guys. That's a really great point, just to kind of understand their thought process as far as their roster builds. Because, I mean, look, with Leonard Floyd, they didn't bring him back on a lower contract. He had right. a captain of $2.6 million with Leonard the Floyd is season. these guys, right? Like, the, the yeah. Leonard Floyd, if Leonard Floyd were on another team, they'd get, we'd put Leonard Floyd on the list. And they off, and they said no, they don't want. They had Leonard Floyd, and they decided that that's not what they wanted to do. The, the, these are this type of player is not the guy that they're looking for this season. Doesn't mean that, look, ish can happen, right? Stuff can happen between now and you get to week six or seven, and all of a sudden, Rams are maybe a lot better than a lot of people think they would be, and now that guy does make a lot of sense. But right now where they sit, it probably makes a lot less. Exactly. And look, you look at guys like Greg Gaines and Sean Robinson. If you yes. get that kind of production from the current group, you're going to be jumping for joy, right? If those guys can produce at their levels, you're going to feel really good about what you found. So it does feel like there is this intention to just see what you can get from these guys moving forward. And you think about 2024, we talk about, I mean, you hate to talk about 2024, but even before the 2023 season, because I still think that this team can't compete this year, but they're going to be in a great position with the picks, with the salary cap and everything they have to go out there and get a guy. And I think you don't have to get edge one, right? Byron Young doesn't have to be an edge one necessarily because we know that this team in less need, they're going to go all in on premium positions. They will give draft capital. They will give big money to premium positions. And I certainly believe that edge rusher is one of those positions. And you look at next season, you look at 
the names that are going to be available. And you got Chase Young, you got Josh Allen, you got Brian Burns, who the Rams have been rumored to be interested for mm-hmm. years now. So mm-hmm. there are going to be names available. And I think that that's what they're going to do. I think they're going to pay close attention to which guys sign extensions with their current teams. And they're going to go shopping and go big game hunting for the edge rushers next season. I, I think you're right. I, I think that this is, I, I don't like the word remodel. I don't like the word, you know, rebuild. I despise the word tank. But what I like is a long-term strategic plan for continued success. And I think we're at the beginning of a long-term strategic plan for continued success. And that involves seeing what we have on this roster, keeping our money in, in, in an account to where we can spend it when we get what we want. We can find it in the draft. We can find it in trades. We can find it in free agency. But right now, let's take a long view of where we are. And I think that everything that they've done, never mind what they've said, but everything that they've done leads me to believe that that's going to continue to be what they do. I like that. We got to get that trending all over Twitter. Hashtag LTPFSS. That has to be the model. Get the t-shirts going. I agree with you. You have to make smart moves. You are not going to compete every single year for Super Bowls, but every handful of years, if you have nice runs, that's how you win Super Bowls once every decade, twice every decade. And that's where you're one of the best franchises in the sport. I do selfishly want to compete more than I think, Some people, as far as adding an edge rusher, just like I said, you see the first two games, not very encouraging. Like I said, good defense is like a good shower head. You need to press the coverage. You need some more of that. And I think that if that becomes available, I think they are going to possibly go out there and make themselves an Akella Witherspoon signing just to see if you can have a little bit of an upgrade. And then also you look at the mentorship, the leadership, and you're benefiting from that. So if your plan is to develop these rookies and young players, you're still getting that by bringing in a veteran and a guy who's been around the block. It's just, does he want to join this Rams team that's not expected to be Super Bowl contenders? That's kind of the big question I have. But coming up in our final segment, Travis, your office, where I'm at right now, is ranked as the second best stadium in the NFL. We're going to tell you why. That's coming up next on Locked on Rams. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business, and you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Think about the last time you had to go out and find somebody for your small business and how important it is to get that right and get the guy or girl that fits into your business, that has the vision that you have and fits into your team seamlessly. Here's what you do. You add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile and you spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus as leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And welcome back to Locked On Rams. Thank you for making Locked On Rams your first listen every single weekday, free and available wherever you get your podcast. Locked On Rams, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And also one more reminder, if you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the Locked On Rams YouTube channel. Do us a favor, hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, and hit that notification bell. And Another shout out to our every listeners. We appreciate you. Now, Travis, here in our final segment, the Athletic just posted their rankings of the best stadiums in the NFL. And of course, 
the Rams were right at the top. They were behind U.S. Bank Stadium in Minnesota. I've never been there. I don't know too much about that, so I'm not sure why SoFi wouldn't be number one, but it did come in at number two. It used the Google review as a ranking system as well, 4.5 stars. I don't know what to make of that, but yeah, I think number two is fine, but I think when you consider the amenities, when you consider the advancements, to me, I think it's the number one state. I think it's the best stadium in the NFL. I, like you, Mac, I have not been to U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. I don't. I can't speak to it firsthand. All I know is they got a guy on a Harley Davidson and they clap their hands over their head. That's all I know about Minnesota. So that would be, really yeah, really. and they got a horn or something. I, I don't know. It, it looks, it looks, it looks good on TV. It's got a lot of glass. Cool. I, I, I don't know. I, I, here's what I do know. Every single time I walk into SoFi Stadium, every single. Time I've walked through there for every since it since the pandemic is ended and they reopened the gates and we've been allowed to go in there. Every time I walk in there, I say to myself, "This is amazing!" Like a real stop moment. Look at that field. Look at that scoreboard. Look at the roof over the. Look at everything about it and say, "I can't believe this is a real thing." It feels like you've stepped into Madden. It feels like you've stepped into some computer simulation. It doesn't look real. It's clean. It's sleek. It's modern. It's easy to move around. And I can't imagine that there's something better out there. Exactly. I mean, you really can't top SoFi Stadium, in my opinion. When you look at the work that was done to make it happen. I mean, it sits on the former grounds of Hollywood Park Racetrack. It was supposed to be a Walmart Super Center at one point. Now it's just a super stadium for the NFL. One of the game's great cathedrals. I think what I find interesting, too, they had to move 7 million cubic yards of dirt. I mean, they're talking about 6 million tons of dirt. And also the scoreboard. For me, the scoreboard is so stunning. And that, to me, is what's most mind-blowing. It takes 80 full-time employees to control it. You got 80,000 square feet of LED lights. It weighs 2.2 million pounds. It spans 120 yards. For me, it's the eighth one of the world. It's the scoreboard that really sets SoFi Stadium apart from any stadium in this league. All right, I'm going to be immodest here for a second. What One of the great highlights of my career is having a commercial for my show run on that scoreboard during Rams games. It is absolutely, I sit there in the press booth like, oh, look, look, it's my face. <laughs> it's it's so huge and it's so awesome and you can't miss it. That's the thing. It's not like, you know, at, at the Coliseum, I know that's not the best example, but there are some, unless you're looking at the scoreboard in other places, you might miss it, right? Unless at Dodger Stadium, unless you're looking at the video board, you could miss it. You can't miss it at SoFi Stadium. Wherever you're looking, you're looking at the scoreboard. Unless you have your hands over your face, you're going to see it. And when I saw my face up there, it was amazing. And I I loved every second about it. And that's why it should be number one in everybody's book. <laughs> that is amazing. I love that. Forget being on Times Square. Being at SoFi right. Stadium, I would yeah. pop that. I mean, that is incredible. One time I was a really little kid and I was visiting my grandparents in Houston. And they had at the Astrodome. Well, a happy birthday to Doug McCain. So that would be my way to try. Yeah, to there you go. That's good. It pales in comparison. But I will say that SoFi Stadium is just incredible. I mean, I think the fact that the roof doesn't touch the stadium walls, it's completely freestanding. It acts as a wind sail. All the assets between it, the water, the water actually has a function. It protects the stadium from seismic activities and earthquakes. So it's 12 feet deep, 100 feet deep in some places so i think when you look at the stadium as a whole when people visit it and they come away from sofi stadium some people that aren't even sports fans right you go there for the taylor swift concert or whatever it is that venue 
really sticks out and it's so impressive. But I will say their place to watch a football game is still my couch. Sightlines are perfect. The stadium seating always great. It's never raining. The commute takes less than 60 <laughs> seconds. The concessions have everything I want. It's still tough to beat that. It no lines in the bathroom too. No, it, the, the home experience is very hard to beat. Here, here's where I'll, I'll leave it with with SoFi Stadium, and I I fancy myself a skeptic on a lot of things. I, unfortunately, my default setting is probably a little cynical on most things. When everybody likes something, I'm predisposed to maybe not like it as much. That's just the way that I'm made. I haven't heard a single person that's gone to SoFi and said, "Eh, not not one person." Everybody that walks through, it's like. Yeah, that was awesome. And like you said, even if it's not a football fan, even if they're going to see Taylor Swift or the Rolling Stones or whoever it is that's playing in there, they come out and they say, yeah, show was great. The game was great. I can't believe what I saw. And so that, that's the most amazing structure I've ever seen. And I was lucky enough to kind of see it when it was just a design, right? That they hadn't even put a shovel in the ground yet. That it was just this concept and how it was going to go. Then I saw it when it was a hole in the ground. Then I saw it when it was a hole in the ground that had a little bit of concrete poured around it. And I just couldn't wrap my head around what it was going to be. And then it's this. Come on, man. It's just every time you walk through there, it's a, I can't believe this is a real stadium that I get to go into eight or 10 times a year. It's 100% a masterpiece, one of the greatest stadiums in the world, really in the conversation for the greatest greatest stadium in the world. I also, too, my favorite thing about it is we have a better stadium than the Cowboys. I love that. I don't know why for some reason. I love that because all of uh, Jerry's World, the big scoreboard, Jerry's World, and then you have the fans lining up outside when they open the doors. It looks like a Black Friday at Best Buy or something with them running in and stuff like that. You know that shot they post? I love the fact that we have a better stadium than the Cowboys and one of the best in the game for years and years to come. But Travis, that's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Rams. My name is Doug McCain. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. And you can follow the people's champ, Mr. Travis Rogers at Travis Rogers. And until next time, whose house is Locked on Rams house?